We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We are doing this live from Washington Square Park, believe it or not, and I am here with a returning guest who I will introduce momentarily. First, I'd like to give a shout out to our presenting chess education sponsors. It's this little known company called chessable.com. Of course, they've got tons of good opening courses, middle game courses. Uh, my guest today will have a lot more to say about this company because he is the CEO. But a quick reminder, if you're interested in checking out their content, one thing you can do is check out my list of recommended courses. They've got tons of free stuff too, but that's enough of a spiel for now because we will be discussing Chessable plenty. My guest today is the CEO of Chessable. I first interviewed him in January of 2020 when he was the chief content officer. Before that, he had started out uh, just sort of working on a few courses for them. So you can hear more about his Chessable backstory, his story as a former rock star in our previous interview. But what we want to do in this one is catch up, A, on our guest Chess and his travels. He's a busy guy. And B, there's lots of changes coming down the pike, upgrades coming with Chessable. So live from New York City, it is Geert Vanderveld. Welcome, Geert. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And it's fun to finally connect in person. Uh, in one of my favorite spots in New York City. Yeah, and as you know, Geert, I lived in New York for about 10 years, had, had my fair share of days where I, where I would take the subway in from Brooklyn, stumble on over to Washington Square Park, play a few games. So uh, I don't get out here very often anymore, living kind of far away in New Jersey. But A, it's fun to be back. B, fun to be at Washington Square Park. And C, fun especially to get to meet you. So. So, Gary, I want to dive into your travels first and foremost, because I have trouble keeping up. I email you in your various places, follow you on, on Twitter. And of course, I know you were just in Reykjavik. Now you're in New York City. We got a trip report on Reykjavik from previous guest uh, WGM Dina Belenkaya. But I'm going to hear a bit about that. But first, New York City. What brings you here, Geert? Uh, we just filmed a promotional video with uh, international master Levy Rosman, Gotham Chess. Uh, he just released his debut chessable course, 1E4 repertoire. And um, we just really wanted to do something extra for, for that, for the promotion of that course. And um, it was available to film, and we decided to do it um, this week because it 
connected well for me and Patrick, our camera guy who's behind the camera there, uh, um, in conjunction with the Reykjavik Open. So we, we asked Levy if he would be available to film right after the Reykjavik Open, and he said yeah. And so uh, we linked up and um, we filmed some, uh, some good stuff uh, the other day at the Marshall. Um, did like a, kind of like documentary style interview, very loosely scripted, just asking him some questions and kind of building the story off of you know his life story. And, and it's gonna be like a, a quick two, three minute video where he just kind of shares some insights into what his life is like now, like after all the success that he's had and um, yeah, that's gonna be, uh, I think, a unique type of promotional video. Usually we're like a little bit more um, on the salesy side of it. Right. And this one is a little bit less salesy and it's more about him, which which I, I, I like that it's softer in the, in the approach, in the marketing approach, let's say. Um, so it's cool. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm a, I'm a bit jealous, of course, that you got to meet Levy in person. Obviously, I've gotten to interview him three times and sort of watch his career develop. And it's it's just amazing to see. And to me, when I do get to interview him, that's always the most interesting thing, because um, he's someone who, when I first interviewed him, he was reasonably well known, but he was basically just another chess streamer. So to see him reach this level that we didn't think was possible really for any chess um content creator it, it's really fun to see and whenever i interview him we try to talk some chess but to me that's the most interesting story is like this just sort of staggering degree of fame for a chess personality but he seems to be uh handling it pretty well i'd say yeah he's very down to earth and uh, and that's definitely what came across also when when we when we filmed him and we we basically what we did is we filmed him during a cab ride from where he lives uh down to downtown manhattan to the marshall and uh, we just uh, had a whole bunch of questions prepared and just asked him just you know talk and, and he's good at that of so course he yeah. had a lot to share um, which is really nice um, but yeah I remember um, not directly meeting him but I remember having some some like uh, indirect contact with him because a few years ago Chessable sponsored uh, the New York Marshals uh, team in the Pro Chess League uh, it was like three or four years ago and Levy was involved on the side with that team and that's the first time I ever heard of him and, and this was before he started doing YouTube and, and, and everything and so it's just kind of funny to be here now a few years later and he's got like what three and a half million yeah, subscribers on his channel so uh, that success is, 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 is pretty exciting and it's great great to finally like get a repertoire by him on the site because it's what was he was one of the most requested presenters one of the most requested creators um so to finally have that on the platform is is, is awesome and he and he did the, him and, and he worked with someone else on the repertoire because he, he he needed some support in in um making it like finalizing it should we wait for the dogs it's <laughs> funny. funny yeah but um yeah so so like the, he did an amazing job with that repertoire and uh um also the speed at which he delivered that it's like incredible yeah he, he seems to have figured out a few things in terms of like how to manage his time um a, as he continues to grow and so when you took this cab ride with him and got to ask him some questions about his background here was there anything that surprised you hmm was there anything that surprised me about levy's journey uh well he revealed that when he was very little uh, his parents uh, or his mom like uh, looked all over the place for a school that would let him skip a grade. Oh, really? So, so it's clear that at a very young age he was really bright. Right. And so they finally managed to find a school where he could skip a grade and, and then like, uh, you know, went to school and everything. So I found that pretty interesting. Um, I'm not sure if that's a big reveal or anything, but um, I was generally kind of really impressed with like how sharp he is. He's very empathetic very you know like well spoken also and so i think his success comes from just being a real person who just happens to really love chess and he's great at like i think like looking at um chess from the way that it's experienced by people who are not deeply into it so he has this ability to go both sides like he's an international master but he's also somebody who can look at it with like beginner's eyes and be like, well, what would a beginner want to hear? And how would they want chess explained? 
And I think that's like part of his success, probably. Yeah, I agree. And one thing to add from my interview with Levy, um, of course, it mostly got good feedback, but I know a couple people were surprised when Levy said that chess is really boring. And you're having spent time with him and what you say. I don't want to speak on Levy's behalf, but I think it's clear from how he devotes his time that he doesn't really think chess is really boring. He may have been referring to classical chess, uh, you know, five, six hour games that you sit there and watch every minute and wait for a move to be made, which I know everyone doesn't even agree with that. But anyway, I think uh, Levy's enthusiasm for chess uh, speaks for itself if you watch it. But here, I want to um, rewind a little bit because as you mentioned, you're coming from Reykjavik. Obviously, yeah. Reykjavik's got the cheap flights to and from New York. So coming here makes sense, even if it's on the company's dime. Um, but um, <laughs> But I, I want to hear a bit more about that because I just interviewed WGM Dina Bilankaya. Uh, some yep. listeners may have heard. And she gave a bit of a trip report, but she is all business. She was like, yeah, it was fun to go to Reykjavik. It was a good opportunity to make content. I'm happy with my results, beating two grandmasters. But I didn't get to hang out much. Now, you, on the other hand, weren't playing. So I want to hear your trip report. Um, yeah, mine was very different. We went there because um, Chessable sponsors the Reykjavik Open. And so we wanted to, um, and, and also simultaneously, we had the Chessable Masters, the fourth edition of it happening, you know, last week, uh, or actually this past week uh, that we're connecting in now. And so um, we wanted to create some additional content with the people at the, um, at the, uh, um, at the Open. And so we interviewed Dina and a whole bunch of other people, for example. And um, yeah, and so so we wanted to film some some material with them. And then uh, also um, we made a, like an after movie. So so we had a couple of days where we weren't at the tournament, but we went to the southeast side of the uh, island and we filmed a whole bunch of the beautiful nature that is Iceland because that's kind of part of the appeal of going to Reykjavik and playing in Iceland is you get to also, if you want to, you get to explore that amazing island. So. So we filmed some some additional uh, material, and I think once we uh, have finalized editing the the promotional video for that tournament, I think many more people will be super excited to go. And they already had record number this year of participants, with over 400 people uh, being at the tournament. But uh, yeah, we hope to help them grow that to maybe double or something in the next couple of years because it's, yeah. it's really really nice tournament. Yeah, I was there once in 2006, and to to what you mentioned about seeing the sort of uh, moonscape throughout the country as you travel. Yeah, I didn't do that that time. I was in and out, and I regret that. I didn't even make it to the Blue Lagoon. I got sick on the one day I was going to go there so I definitely want to get back there and I agree with you about that one but as I mentioned to Dina I also feel like there's a lane for these big open tournaments um, especially as they start to bring in more streamers I mean there's so many chess fans listening who want it, want the chance to interact with people like this and you can bring in top players you can have streamers and to have like uh, chess enthusiasts across the spectrum have time to socialize i think uh, especially in europe but hopefully we can get something like that in the u.s as well something slightly less frenetic than uh the uh, the continental chess tournaments um i i think uh it'll be fun to see the Reykjavik open uh grow but tournaments like uh sunway citrus as well yeah there's a um the nice thing about any of those tournaments is like, sunway citrus is kind of super relaxed like, yeah. they really take their time uh, very Spanish. Right. Uh, the Reykjavik Open is more compact, and I think that is also partially the appeal is that, um, you know, like me too, you know, like we're like working dads, so yeah. like, we can't afford to go away for two weeks and just play chess. Like we'd like to get it all done within a week, right? And so, like, that's part of the appeal, I think, of the Reykjavik Open is, is you go there, you have a couple of double rounds, and you can get the turn, you, you can get a nine round tournament in, in five days or six days. And then uh, if you want to make it like, you know, two weekends in like a, a work week, you can you can take one week off, play the tournament, see a little bit of Iceland, and boom, the next Monday you're back home and you can just go back to work. And I think that these types of tournaments that will that are shorter in length as far as like number of days go, but still have this kind of like opportunity for people to play like longer games and play like more rounds is really appealing so yeah probably a future format yeah i agree and dina of course was mentioning that the two games a day is tough but she's doesn't have a day job obviously full-time content creator she's also 
pretty focused on her chest trying to get to 2400 feet in order to get the im title but i think for a lot of casual players like if i went i would take a couple buys i'm just not going to kill myself uh to play every single game yeah and i i often encourage that for people who do make the trip because even though it's tempting to play every single game it's fun to play it's a big investment i still feel like less can be more in these circumstances there's a little bit of a tendency i think for chess players to want to maximize the amount of chess being played it's yeah even at the Reykjavik Open there's like a two additional blitz tournaments right well. and so and I think that's okay like totally like if you're really into that and you're going for the chess then sure probably I would recommend going to tournaments and also trying to experience the the rest of the place that you're visiting and not just only playing chess because I mean if you're in a country like Iceland there's some cool stuff to see. Yeah, and I had a good time on the social front when I was there too. And definitely to me, that's gotta be uh, part of the experience. Now, last thing before we talk some chessable gear. Yep. So it's been quite a whirlwind. Do you actually get to go home to Spain after this? Tomorrow, yeah, I'm flying tonight and then uh, it's Easter tomorrow. And we uh, traditionally have, uh, or Easter Sunday, it's been Easter weekend, obviously. Um, but uh, we traditionally have like a big uh, barbecue at our place. Um, Spain is kind of nice during this time of year. I believe it. Um, so we're, we, we invited a whole bunch of friends and family uh, to come over and um, we're going to have a barbecue and good food and um, just hang out. And then obviously egg hunt and all the stuff with the kids. Awesome. Yeah, my family is not super religious, but the kids love Easter so much that we do the Easter egg hunt and all that yeah. stuff. And that's why I'll be jetting back to New Jersey uh, uh, this this evening after this interview to get ready for, for tomorrow. Um, and Gear, one thing I forgot to mention in the intro, of course, most listeners will know, but obviously Chessable was acquired by Chess.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a, a massive of change obviously for you personally for your company for the chess world at large although maybe that's not being felt as much yet but one thing i'm sure that i asked you once before off the record but i'm sure listeners might be wondering um chessable being based in spain um do you think that those offices will will persist over time do you think that you will continue to be based in spain with uh chess.com of course being united states based although mostly remote workers um well chessable has always been a remote first company mm-hmm. so when we started out um it was all remote and uh, we didn't really get the office until a few years ago. Um, and the reason why we got it is because we kind of like settled with the management team in Barcelona. So we have like pretty much the core management of Chessables all based in Barcelona. And we, at the time that we were growing a lot, we hired more in Barcelona. One, because it's a, a great place for chess. Uh, and, and two, um, because there's a lot of talent there and, and it's just nice to have kind of like a core team of people close like in person because we really do value the in-person um experience and like being able to work together and um so far we've had uh eric and danny already come over to the office uh, and they've, they've already seen it um and we're gonna soon have a few of the other core um uh management team members come over to the office in barcelona is it going to keep existing i don't know but for the time being uh i think they also see the value in it and um yeah, I, I mean, if it in, ends up having to be closed or something in the future, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. But it's it's not at all been on the agenda to, like, not have an office and not do that. Okay, and Eric being, of course, uh, Chess.com co-founder, Eric Allbest, and Danny being Chief Chef, Chess Officer, Danny Wrench. And Gear, on the topic of the merger, is there anything, like, what's been the biggest adjustment in terms of sort of uh, incorporating Chessable into Chess.com? Um, I think the, ch- the biggest change has been that um, pretty much as soon as the merger went through, we looked um, very closely at who of the people at Chessable, but also at Chess24, etc., could step up into new roles at Chess.com and uh, could start managing bigger teams and, and work with more people. So we've, we've had a lot of um, managers of ours step into new roles at chess.com and like um, start managing teams there and I and that was something that I was really excited about for for all of our team members because I wanted uh, this merger not to just be this uh, let's say like takeover I want I really was like excited for the opportunity for all of all of my team members to step up and get to work with a much you know like much bigger play field and so they yeah like a lot of our current managers went over there and um uh and now we're uh in the process of like realigning everything and um and and making sure that 
the teams at Chessable continue to operate, that they've continued to operate it at, at the same, in the same way, and that we bring some of our processes and some of our knowledge over to chess.com and, and vice versa, right? They also have a lot to share. And so it's been a, a kind of like talent exchange, if you will. And, that, and that's been really exciting because um, I think a lot of people from the outside thought that it would be like massive layoffs and like all kinds of like crazy stuff or something because they have this idea that an acquisition or a merger comes with that kind of uh, thing, but that wasn't the case at all. It was really like us just bringing together both teams and like aligning culturally was super easy in that sense because we were pretty much on the same mission and, uh, and now we're just like excited to get moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Obviously, I mean, I've, I've had a few guests express concerns about layoffs down the road. Like, it, I I understand, like, I'm glad to see things are going well, but um, obviously we all have the shared mission of growing chess. And if we do that, uh, you know, I think both companies will prosper. I think from the listener slash chess fan perspective, it's nice to see that um, Hans here. That, uh, that chess.com now links directly to Chessable. Yep. Um, so what are you guys doing in terms of content? Like, are you, obviously chess.com has this massive platform, um, with a lot of, a lot more sort of, um, uh, lower level or newer chess fans, I guess you could say more yep. casual yep. chess fans. Um, so is, is that going to affect, uh, Chessable's offerings at all? Are you going to try to cater to them more? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the main challenge I would say that we have is that like, there's this kind of like rating gap in the middle. Chess.com's average rating is like 1150 or something, or maybe it's even like 1050, somewhere between there. Chessable's average user rating is about 1800. And so we have traditionally focused more on the, let's say, advanced chess players or intermediate and up type chess player, and that's where the majority of our content is. And so now we are uh, focusing more on creating a lot more beginner content and even like like you know slight like post beginner content so i think that will be a big change in terms of what we're going to offer and what, what's going to come out at the same time like we're not going to stop making content for the advanced players and for you know for the stronger players it's just that i think the balance is going to be a little more skewed towards like bringing in more beginner or at least like creators who are interested in creating content for beginners and um and one other change i think will be that we're gonna work with a lot more streamers and for for them to be able to create content for their audiences which i actually think is really exciting because um that's a different audience as well yeah well anyone in particular that you can reveal i mean i saw danny wrench's name on the coming soon page but yeah. uh but who else is uh coming down the pike um I, well, there's quite a few, um, but uh, let's say like as far as like bigger names go, I don't think we've signed up anyone. But I mean, besides Levy Rosman, I mean we have um, Ben Feingold. Uh, oh, so nice! Yeah, he's, he's coming with a repertoire. So I think those two are probably like the bigger ones that we have. Um, but conversations are ongoing with a lot of them. Excellent. Yeah, very, I mean, very... I'm, I'm hoping that uh, there's a potential for a collaboration between. Uh, A.K. Nemzo and uh, um, and uh, Alex Banzia. So okay, if nice. That, if that gets signed, then uh, that would be a really big one. It would be really nice. Yeah, that would be fun. Alex Banzia is going to be on How to Chess Season 3 coming soon. And I get a lot of emails uh, from people who are fans of his content. So, yeah, uh, he, I mean, he won a lot of Chessable Awards this past year. And... Uh, well deserved too like he did a lot of work so. yeah my interview with him is still forthcoming but I'll tell a funny story but when I reached out to interview him I told him I get a lot of emails from him and then we did the interview and then an hour later I got an, a message from him saying like hey when are you going to get Alex Banzi on the pot so I took a screenshot and sent it to him and he said oh I thought you were just saying that like I didn't know you you actually got messages saying that, that <laughs> people are fans of his content yeah so. yeah for sure um, so one, one question I have here is obviously the, the Chessable catalog has expanded massively to the point where now there's like multiple uh, courses on like every opening yeah. and new content continues to come out. So do you, do you worry that there's going to be like basically too much on a given opening? No, I don't think so. So the thing was, I think you have to think of the evolution of Chessable as a, you know, a, a content library and like a course library in a little bit of a historical perspective. We were very focused on creating a kind of like a comprehensive, complete library of courses, right? So for the past, let's say four years, we were focused on filling in all the gaps that existed. So if there was some 
obscure variation or something, then we wanted a course on it. And I think there's still some minor gaps. I have say. an idea. I just don't think I'm going to get. No, I'm not going to get it together to do it. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's 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 minor minor gaps yeah. in the library, but for the most part, I think we have. Um, courses on 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 every single topic now. yeah and so now that we're there now that we have a kind of comprehensive library of courses that cover all the openings most of the middle game plans uh, a lot of the tactics and strategy we have a lot of the chess classics up on the website now now the focus is going to be not on like trying to uh, replace courses with new courses it's going to be on helping creators build their own personal libraries so like if you uh um, you know finally release that first course of yours, <laughs> right which we want which we want on the site then like the long-term plan would be for us to work with you to create the ben johnson library where where you would have maybe eight to ten courses and they're on all sorts of different topics so that people who like you who prefer you as their presenter as their coach as their personal trainer if you will to 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 have a complete library there so a lot of the let's say um first generation accessible authors they have this they have a complete kind of library right. of courses but now what we want to do is we want to take that second generation and now like all these new authors coming in we want to work with them to basically make like comprehensive libraries of theirs so it's, so it's kind of like you have to think of accessible as like the gym right and then every single author is a personal trainer and it might be that like the um, uh, that like Hikaru Nakamura is your preferred personal trainer but it could also be that Alex Banji is your preferred uh, personal trainer and so what we want to do is we want to work both and have courses by all of them on the platform and make sure that like if you're coming to Chessable because you want to only learn from one particular uh, presenter or something that we that we can take you all the way from beginning to end and, and have like enough uh, content for, for you to like continue to study from and with with that particular personal trainer. If you know. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, as I've mentioned many times, I, I end up with a lot of Christoph Selecki's courses and I yeah. know a lot of people it's feel like, that way. Yeah, that's like, a, that's like, a, exactly. That's a, that's a prefer, so that's your, he's one of your preferred yeah, for teachers. Sure. And it's the same, like Simon Williams is a really popular uh, teacher and people really love his content and so he has a lot of courses up on the site um, but we want that for everyone and you think there'll be enough demand where it will be continue continuously worth it for the creators to continue to to build out their offerings so yeah I think so um, maybe the difference will be in that maybe a single course if, if you just produce a single course then maybe the single course isn't going to be as outsized uh, impactful for you as like the courses like that we released when we didn't have a single course on it. Right. So for a, a typical example would be we had a Catalan course by Serena Nalajan, the yes. master from India. And that was the first time that we had a proper, really good, high-level uh, Catalan course, but we just released a new one by Grandmaster Alonso. And so now we have like compe competing courses, if you will, but they are both like now, so, so Serena's course was very successful, right? But now Alonso's course is getting really successful. So now we have two options. And so now we're working with Srinath on saying like, hey, you have like two courses up on the site, but you know, what about doing some repertoires for the black side? And what about yeah. doing some middle game stuff? And then maybe a single course won't sell the same amount of courses, but if you have eight of them, right. then you're still getting like, a lot of these courses will continue to sell. And like that, that kind of core audience that starts evolving around a single creator becomes larger over time and so then it doesn't become about like trying to sell a single course it becomes about managing that audience on chessable and on working with those creators to kind of like help them service all those different members of their individual community so now we're in this new phase which i think is this is my most like exciting phase is where where i really want to spend a lot of time working with new authors and coach them and etc to to manage and, and like develop their audiences basically okay yeah and of course i interviewed grandmaster srinath narayanan he's training gukesh uh so he, you know obviously high level trainer now chessable as we discussed in our prior interview and actually as as your own story attests it has its roots in like also community driven courses from non-titled players and as you mentioned super important to the yeah. success of chessable is is the fact that we have community authors producing community content in like some of our best-selling courses are, are 
created by club players. Yeah, some of my favorites. I, I always shout out the Checkmate Patterns courses. That's my, one of my favorite examples. Yeah, and so with, as you mentioned, the influx of Chess.com customers with sort of a lower rating base, so is there still room for people listening to, to create courses catering to lower rated players? Uh, more and more room. I, like I said, like I don't think you have to worry about like um, saturating the marketplace, if anything. Um, I mean, if, if we take an example of, let's say, um, Amazon or something, right? Like that, they could grow the Amazon marketplace for a long time just with books. And, and I think with chess, like chess is such an infinite game. And there's, uh, even if, let's say, there were six or ten authors all doing a, a course on the Shveshnikov Sicilian, they would all have a different way of explaining it and bringing it to you. And so then it becomes about personal taste. And and then and so there's like not not only is there like room for like the different levels that we create content on, but it's also style, right? It could be that like one person, like you said, like you really tend to like gravitate towards Christoph Selecki as as the personal trainer of choice, but it could be that like in the future you want somebody else to teach you, and it could be that Christoph Selecki doesn't appeal to all these beginners coming in, and the, you know maybe they will want something some, some other author uh, to do it and, and one other thing is that i really want to happen is i want to bring a lot more female authors onto the platform yeah. and spend a lot more energy on getting them to to produce content because we have a limited amount of women uh creating courses and presenting them and i think it's really important to have them you know represented on chessable more and more so we, we try to build that out more as well yeah that, that's definitely a, a good goal and here, hearing you discuss this makes me think of one of the most common criticisms i hear of chessable which is that every catalog is so voluminous you know um and i know that you guys have some people working on sort of pared down repertoires and i always recommend the short and sweet courses yeah. um as well as the quick starters for when you start out um to especially in the opening realm to sort of help you wrap your head around an opening and then sort of use the extra stuff um as like on an as needed basis but i do wonder like is the, is there going to be any sort of philosophical change in terms of like just how many lines are within each course like how do you respond to that common criticism i mean it's a fair point and and uh we're working on multiple solutions uh first of all um and and this is just to take like a step back a lifetime repertoire it's supposed to be kind of like a comprehensive manual right it's not supposed to be this thing that you study front to back like a phone book like you use the phone book to like leaf through it and or well nowadays we don't use a phone book anymore, <laughs> right but 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 as an analogy is you use that to uh find something that you need at a certain point in time so like if we're if you look at a, like a lifetime repertoire which is supposed to be comprehensive you the idea is you start with a quick starter guide you get a feel for the opening and then you add lines and train lines as you go as you meet them right in practical play whether online or over the board or whatever and so over time your study load will increase but again like the idea that like you would have to like study a lifetime repertoire front to back uh, like all thousand variations of one let's say like that's not really the the point the point was more to make sure that okay if it isn't covered then probably it's not important enough and a lot of the sidelines and stuff that are covered in like later chapters and of course are also kind of there just to have but not necessarily for you to uh, have to study front to back let's say so that's that's first of all like about the size of the courses is we we kind of strive for comprehensiveness because we want to we want people to have a one-stop shop with them. Second of all, now you asked about like, what are we doing about like the kind of like too large size of these repertoires and stuff. We've been releasing courses of different sizes now. So we have this series called 100 Repertoires, right. which, are, which are really small, like repertoires of 100 variations or less. Um, and we also just released a feature called Prior Priority Lines which uh, is a version one still, but what it does is it um, compares your play from your play zone level to the variations in a repertoire. And if you toggle that feature, then now the um, different um, amount of variations that you have will change based on your play zone level. So if you are a 1900 rated player, then uh, and you toggle the feature now all of a sudden the total amount of variations that you have to train in a repertoire will go down from you know the total to whatever makes more sense and so it's like a data driven that's great uh, data driven approach 
Um, so that's one thing that we just released and we're gonna work on that to make it completely personalized so that over time, any level of player can take one of these repertoires, toggle that feature and then like they will get a very much condensed amount of study load for a course and then that will be much more practical for them because it's completely based on their personal level and what they're meeting in their practical play, in their play zone online or whatever. And that's from the chess.com play zone or? Both. Both, okay. uh, bo all, both the big play zones. So oh, awesome. Yep, and, well. and Lee Chess, that's awesome. Um, and and the, ch the change you described here, I know that you've mentioned that you've got sort of a broader rollout called Chessable 3.0. Is, yeah. is this part of that? This is part of the Chessable 3.0 campaign, which like we're calling it Chessable 3.0 because if you think about Chessable as like this thing that's evolving over time, the first version of Chessable was just, you know, Chessable proper when it was first launched. The second version of Chessable was when we refactored all the code, we had a unified code base, and then we could start like building features on top of it and, and like releasing things like Puzzle Connect, which is a feature that takes like uh, the tactics from your games, like the missed tactics from your games, and turns them into a personalized course. And so Chessable 3.0 now is like this thing called Priority Lines, but it's also now like work that we're doing on creating a completely personalized study experience. So it's about like now making Chessable this tool for you to train you. And so we're calling it 3.0 because that's like we've now laid the infrastructure for that, and now features are coming out that are going to be you know, related to that. One of the things that, that a lot of uh, our members have asked for, for example, is to have a uh, feature, like a deviation dashboard, if you will, where it shows, once you've played your game, where you've left your repertoire, and then it highlights this and tells you, oh yeah, oh, you need great. to go back. So that's one other thing that's gonna come out in the, in the, in the future. Then we have priority lines, which will help you condense your study load. We have Puzzle Connect, which like hones in on where you've missed your opportunity, so you can train all those tactics that you've missed, so that maybe you can, you know, you like see what your blind spots are, and then over time we're going to continue to build on that. So that's what Chessable 3.0 is now. Like we're, we have the infrastructure for personalization, and probably Chessable 4.0 will be fully personalized. Okay, and we're recording here on April 7th. Um, is there a launch date for Chessable 3.0, or is it more a sort of a gradual rollout, like a rolling features being introduced? It's uh, it's just more of like a group term that we're using to. Uh, to explain to customers like where we are in time so it's not like it, it's not you know like Chessable is not like a Microsoft Word where like you get a new you can download a new version onto your uh, onto your uh, computer it's more of like a, um, a term that we're using to explain that we have a lot of different features now that are about personalization and customization. Excellent. Yeah, I definitely look forward to, to those changes. A lot of it is stuff that I've seen sort of people describe that they've sort of hacked their way into doing on their own that it sounds like now you guys are going to sort of incorporate holistically into the site, like in terms of like, uh, you know, learning from the new move that you didn't know and stuff like that and calibrating the courses to your level and mm -hmm. so on. So it sounds good. Well, Gear, we got a Patreon question. So uh, listeners, of course, who support Perpetual Chess can send in questions. This one is from Sean Krause. Uh, and he asks, he says, would it be possible to add the ability to flag a move as an alternative good move while studying? So Sean says he frequently studies multiple opening courses in parallel with overlapping lines, and the recommendation in one course can pop up as an incorrect move in another. So he said that's the only thing that's annoyed him in the couple years in the other otherwise wonderful world that is chessable. Well, nice to hear. Um, thanks, Sean, for the question. I think that's a... Um I feel his pain. <laughs> I feel his pain. I understand that, but it's it's also something that is really deep in the weeds, right? It's probably a use case, right. as we say, like that is very small. And so when we work on the platform at large, right, we prioritize things that have a big impact. And this is one of those like small things that maybe over time we can find a solution for that particular pain point that he has which is like I have two repertoires and in one repertoire this line and like when I play this move it's correct and in the other one it's incorrect and now what do I do because like you know I'm studying both and I don't and and it's kind of confusing right because it's about confusion and it's about creating clarity and and but it's also a really small thing so can we solve that problem short term 
probably not. I'm sorry, Sean. Like, I hate to disappoint you. We're probably not going to prioritize that because there's bigger work that needs to be done. But maybe over time, long term, we can take a look at all those things. We do collect all the feedback and we listen, but it's always a case of like prioritization for like what what really will be a big pain point and what will be small. So for example, like the priority lines thing was super complicated for us to to release. That was a difficult feature to to build and like program. But now that it's there, we're gonna keep iterating on that one. That was a big one for us. And like Puzzle Connect was another one. These are like features that basically help players to really personalize their experience and, and that's the direction that we want to go in. And this is probably really kind of like a minor one. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, and, you know, you probably can pause one course. I have had the experience where I, I was telling you this um, offline, like, I don't know which course a line is from. So it's like I know the right line in one course and I know the right line in the yeah. other, but I don't necessarily know which one. But but there are, as we were talking about workarounds, and obviously you guys uh, have to start with the most requested features and then filter down um, from there. So, Gear, I want to ask you about your OTB and your own chess game, but is there anything else about sort of chessable changes that, that you feel like uh, we should share here? No, I think, like, people should know that we really do listen and we really pay attention to what is being uh, shared with us uh, via the customer service. Hello at chessable.com is our preferred way for you to get in touch with us and send us your feedback. Uh, we really do listen. We really do want all the feedback that we can get from our customers to improve the platform over time. We're not done with our mission of trying to make the best possible place for you to train and, and learn chess in a way that like is completely tailored to you so we're only just getting started with the, the 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 journey of making a place that is completely customized to your own needs um I is did there anything of, new coming? I, I thought of one other question actually because yeah, because we've talked a lot of openings and I I'm yeah. you know as regular listeners will be tired of hearing me mention I'm writing a book I write a little bit about chessable and it don't worry I mostly say good things not, but let <laughs> me mention <laughs> but let me but I do say that my primary use of chessable is openings like sure. some people you know might prefer to read books on chessable some people might prefer to do tactics there but for me number one is openings uh, a distant second is tactics um, but for people who do do middle game and tactics courses like are there any like uh Chessable 3.0 upgrades that they should know about in that regard or any sort of longer term plans that maybe aren't rolled out yet? Uh, look, it's one of my biggest like um, things that I want the way that we study strategy to be improved. So hopefully once we get to 4.0, we'll have a couple of new things released that make like the experience of, and I'll wait for the, yeah. the loud street yeah. noises. <laughs> Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, strategy is not like, probably Move Trainer right now is not ideal for studying strategy. It works, right? Like right. Still, it still allows you to train strategic positions and repeat them over time with scheduled in, uh, with scheduled in space repetition. But um, yeah, I mean, I want to make that experience a lot better. And I think a lot of us adjustable like are excited to start working on that particular area where we can make the um, studying of strategic games a lot more interactive there's other ways to rep to present that material so that would be something that we work on in the future um, right now and, and the, like the way that chessable evolved it was as a let's say like um, spaced repetition scheduling tool for openings and it works perfectly for tactics I would say I would probably say that it's one of the better uh, tactics trainers although there's also like things that we can do to improve that experience because there's other things in the market that we know of that are doing some things that chessables move trainer is not doing yet that we want to incorporate any examples of that or yeah like like uh, a good example would be like uh, there's like older software you know like CT art for example yeah that allows you to train a tactic with with multiple like when you when you're when you're trying to solve a puzzle, it it go it, it it reverses back once you've solved the the main line of the tactic. It reverses back to a certain like branch off point and it says, okay, now solve the slightly suboptimal defense. Like, did you see this? Ah, uh, well, nice. Right? Yeah. And so in the future, we would love to have 
a tactics trainer that makes you not just solve the puzzle one way, but makes you solve it in multiple ways. And maybe also what we can think about is like for openings is not just, you know, like teaching the opening from one side, but teaching it from the other side as well, because it's super important for you when you're doing your opening training to also not just memorize your own moves, but to actually memorize why you're like what is happening on the other side of the board right and there's and so there's a little bit of that there's one thing you can do already which i don't think a lot of people realize but you can for example when you're studying uh with move trainer you can flip the board so you can for example train your openings by seeing it from the other side of the board which is kind of like an in-between solution to this but maybe in the future it could be that like we intersperse you know, you having to repeat your your particular variation in an opening with like a quiz moment where it's like, okay, well, wait a minute, what is black supposed to be playing here, right? And that way you start to really kind of get a more comprehensive idea of what this opening is about and how it's played and etc. So things like that we're, we're thinking about and considering. Sounds good, look forward to it. All right, Kier, last major topic, I do want to talk about your OTB game. Now, I know you played in one of the events in Vikenze. Have, yeah. you, have you played since then? No, I have not. And um, I don't think I will be playing any like <laughs> longer games for a while. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I love chess, but I prefer the shorter format, so if I'm going to be doing any more OTB, it's probably not going to be classical games, it'll probably be more blitz and rapid, I just enjoy the faster time controls, um, I'm a little impatient, and so I, I enjoyed my time at Vikense tremendously, but the length and the duration of the games were pretty exhausting for me. Yeah, I think when you're a dad, you feel that more acutely. That's at least my experience. I mean, I enjoy it when I get into it, but you, you feel the time commitment for sure. Yeah, it's that, and it's also, um, I felt like, you know, like I'm sitting there, I play like move one, and then my opponent goes into into like a 10 minute long think, and I'm just like, come on. <laughs> right. I played one B3, it's not, it's not gonna be that long. You know, you don't right. need 10 minutes to think, but okay, you know, like they, he wanted to spend a lot of time like getting the position and like feeling what like having a plan and that's his good right he has an hour and a half to make these moves but then i'm just sitting there and i'm just like 10 minutes and i'm just like this yeah. is why i like blitz right <laughs> The, the dad or the mom, I should have said, by the way. Now, let me ask you, Geert. So I know you said you're, you've been a chessable super user at times. Like, yep. with your affinity for faster chess, are you still able to work on your chess more generally? Yeah, I still study courses. Um, I have, like, you know, like streaks. Where, right. Where, where I get into it more when I have more time. I still love studying chess. Uh, I play, I still play every single day. Um, and I have probably not stopped playing... I, I must have like an unbroken record of having played online games for at least six years. Like I literally have not not played a game of chess first. Like I've not missed playing a game of chess online for six years at least. In a day? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've played wow. every single day minimum of five games. Man, you got me beat there. That's impressive. <laughs> so I, but I mean, um, uh, a lot of it was whether it's anonymously or in like right. on, I, I, yeah, I just love playing chess. Yeah, I mean, and you've made decent progress around along the years too, right? Do you still, like, are you still pushing to improve or is that on the back burner right now? Past year, I have not pushed to improve. Yeah. I, my main focus was on navigating all the complexity that we had last year with, like, some of the reorganization and some of the, the changes. And then, of course, now with the merger with Chess.com, my focus has been on that. So I play for fun. Uh, I've been stuck at a rating plateau now of like 1900 chess.com for, <laughs> for a couple years. Yeah. Uh, but I did go from, you know, um, my original rating on chess.com must have been like 14, 1500 to 1900 in like four or five years. And, you know, I, I think like for an adult guy, like I'm in my 40s, that's not that's not terrible. Yeah, no, that that is. That's pretty impressive. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I feel like you need to, you know, there's energy and entropy in all things. And, you, you know, I I made a push in tournament chess played a bunch for a year and then started working on this book also didn't make any progress by the way at least from a rating perspective although i feel like i learned some things but then there comes a point where you're just like all right this needs to go to the back burner for a while yeah and you know i'll rise again and i always encourage listeners to uh you know check their priorities and make sure they the amount of time they're putting in makes sense I, in a, i've in replaced context. my my um my original goal was to reach like 2000 classical rating you know yeah. like fee day rating 
And I've replaced that goal now with wanting to reach a 2300 chess.com rating. And for me, that would be pretty cool. Then I could say I'm like chess.com master or something. Like yeah. that would just be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we have a guest here that I'd like to have hop on. Bakir, anything to add before we do make him uh, <laughs> make him come Hi, on Han. over here? Uh, no, 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 nothing to add. Just really happy to get to meet you in person and get to chat a little bit and catch up. And uh, hopefully... Uh, all of the uh, the shouting and surrounding uh, environment didn't uh, affect uh, the audio of the, the podcast too much, but it's been really fun. And, and of course, I love Washington Square Park, so I'm going to try and get a Blitz game in or two with uh, some of these guys. Excellent. Yeah, shout out to anyone who made it through this because, you know, the reason I started Perpetual Chess is A, I love chess, but B, I love podcasts. And I will admit that when I, when I start listening to one that's live outside, my finishing rate goes down a lot because often I just, something happens where uh, I, you know, I can't concentrate basically. Um, so thank you to everyone still with us. And let's bring in Han Shu, who of course is a testable author and doesn't live in New York City, but as luck would have it, I get to meet two online friends in person. So you should come in front of the camera, Han. So Han, of course, does is the author of okay. several testable courses, but including uh, Dubov's Explosive Italian, which I have recommended in the past. I'm a particular fan of. Nice to meet I've been, you. Nice uh, to meet you. This is literally the first time we've met in person, even though we've interviewed, we've collaborated, done classes online. So Han, unlike Geert and I, is about to play a chess tournament, right? Yes, I'm doing the FIDE Open on the Marshall. And did you play round one, or is the? I played round one. Yeah, I made a draw. Okay. Yeah. How was the game? It was, uh, I was spending a lot of time and I was losing momentum and I, I decided to offer a draw at the right moment and my <laughs> opponent accepted. Excellent. And this is a over 2000 tournament, over 2000, right? Yeah. yeah, I like those tournaments. Um, and so were you worse when you offered a draw? It was uh, equalish. Okay. Yeah, but I was slightly better with white out of the opening. It was a Karakhan, the Panov. Uh, he played this Bishop E6 variation and uh, I had the right setup, but then I went slightly uh, astray and uh, he got a uh, good play but it was equalish yeah okay but the initiative was shifting and there were those tactics on his side so. excellent yeah and for for listeners who haven't caught my prior interviews with han he is a chess steps trainer he's he, we did an adult improver interview he's made good strides like Geert and i were discussing he also sort of dips in and out of tournaments so as you got ready for this one han what did you do to to get back into the otp like, uh, he, mindset. like Geert said, one of the most important things is to sleep well. Yeah. So I think if you're well rested for a tournament, and that, uh, that, uh, that's, that's probably the best advice. So that's it, just sleep well <laughs> and you'll win all your games? Well, that's not so easy in New York, right? <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> you have to get used to it. Sleep is so important for, yeah. for yeah. Yeah. That's That's probably the most important thing, to sit down and have the have that focus. Like, to be able to sit there and think long, and just feel like you can be creative. I, I need to sleep, man. Yeah, I mean, but it's easier said than done. Like, I'm generally a good sleeper. The one time I can't sleep is when I'm playing chess tournaments. Yeah, because um, it's mulling your Yeah, mulling your brain is just racing. Yeah, so that's maybe, like, a really interesting area where, like, uh, you know, people can uh, find support. I know... Um, Benji Porto, right? Yeah, shout out to Benji. Ben, yeah. Have you had him on the podcast? I have not. I still need to make that happen, but I enjoy his blog posts. He was coaching, I think, the <coughs> British team, I think, at the Olympics. Yeah, the British women's team, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, he was uh, helping them prepare, like, mentally for games and such. And I think um, that was really interesting because he has a lot of interesting insights on what you can do to kind of, like, uh, ground yourself and also to, like, uh, maybe... Um, help yourself like find like moments where um like this like where you've played a game and maybe you've lost painfully and it's you know it's nine o'clock at night now what do you do to calm yourself yeah down? develop so a routine into that yeah state of rest and it's like mindfulness yeah. yeah it's mindfulness it's very much about mindfulness yeah yeah i'm a meditator but often lapse in that department and maybe that's something i do try to Super emphasize hard. it before i play at tournaments but maybe i need to think about it as night at night because yeah it's it's a serious i mean it really affects your performance as as han says if you don't sleep well and han you're actually going to play shortly we're only a few blocks from the historic Marshall chess club did you find out your pairing for round two no it's not online yet okay so that's good. 
Yeah, that is good. So <laughs> so your brain isn't swimming too much. And so were you white last night, it sounds like? I was white, yes. I will be black this afternoon and then white this evening, I hope. Okay. Yes. And did you... But I think also the just the prepping, I think it's uh, it's very hard at this moment because they're playing all kind of uh, systems and not too many games in, in the databases. So I think just be present and I have my repertoire and I'll trust that. Okay, and you are going to... This gonna... morning I've been working on my new chessable chords, so ah, let's what's... do something else, right? Be busy with chess. I'm just curious. So, I mean, you're a little bit older than I am, yeah. and you still go, up, go go to these OTB tournaments. And you, like, what keeps you motivated to keep playing? Um, so, actually here I'm meeting a few students, so that's fun. I like to meet other people, and, uh, and one thing I said that has changed is like I... I I like to watch the, the youth players and how they, how they are developing. So for me, it's not only, you could say, the mental exercise or the competition. I think it's much more the social experience for me. Yeah. To be in New York, in the Marshall, such a historic place, meeting students, seeing, uh, seeing the youth, uh, and how, how chess evolves, uh, how they are playing and approaching chess. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that is one of the best things, I think, about OTB chess that doesn't get enough credit, which is, it's such an amazing socializing experience. Yeah. And and that is really the part that I do love about OTB chess. It just, you know, I'd like the faster time controls. We talk, about get that. Right, talk about Vikanze, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vikanze like, <laughs> is one of the most cozy uh, tournaments to go to, right? Like, uh, for me, the best part's not necessarily in the playing hall. It's when I finish my game and then, like, Sometimes you get that moment where like you connect with your opponent like cool you let's go to the bar Let's go sit down and look at this game again and, and talk it over and That's probably one of the more fun parts about like being at a tournament like that and being together with all these other people who are passionate about chess And then, so you know as much as I'm not so into the longer time controls I do love I probably sometimes spend more time analyzing the game and talking to people than I spend on the, on the, in the actual game. Yeah, and that that's a, a component of my book as well because, like, if you're like we're all sort of air quotes insiders, you know, we've been in chess for a long time, we know a lot of people. But if you're coming from the outside, like, in order for it to be sustainable, like, you you need that network, yeah. you know. Um, it's it's in order for it to be like a healthy, enjoyable hobby, you, you've got to find some people that share it with you, and you may or may not be able to connect online but obviously like the fact we're meeting in person for the first time like after all these years you know um i think your first email to me gear was in like 2018 and on yours was probably like around the same time so um yeah Actually, you know you know that the i've said this before right on the, on the podcast that the perpetual chess podcast is the reason that yeah. i found chessable and i started working for chess might as well say it again but okay, yeah so <laughs> yeah I, I listened to an, your, your first interview with christoph selecki i think like your third episode of right episode. yeah that was how i found out about chessable and then uh, yeah the rest is history yeah yeah awesome story all right, well, I think we're about ready to wrap up. Han's got a game to play. Gear wants to get a game in or two before we go. Um, anything uh, anything to add, guys? Oh, I did want to ask you, Han, before we go. So what is the upcoming chessable course that you teased? So it's an improved Milner Berry game. Oh, I um, played a lot of Milner Berry as a kid. I so, love that so, opening. Um, but it's based on... Uh, on we got to fix the king and queen, but you could show uh, yeah, so for people. Based on the... the and it doesn't matter that we're missing a... Actually, we, it'd be better if we were missing a white pawn since it's the uh, Milner-Berry Gam Gambit, but... Yes. So it's, it's known now also as the Hector variation. Okay. GM, yeah. who has been playing it since 2007. William Jones, um, uh, he, uh, he, he published an excellent book. We're missing a pawn here, but that's, uh, you know. Yeah, I discovered I had that classic chess player moment. I brought this set. I usually only use it in tournaments. I took it out before we recorded, and the pawn was gone. Left and, at a hotel so, in Philadelphia. So, um, Wayne Jones, Coffee House Repertoire 2. Um, so, he just castles and doesn't take back. So, this is the improved uh, Milner Berry. Okay. And uh, so... You say, he, he calls it coffee house repertoire, but this is, for instance, what uh, uh, Anish used against uh, Magnus Carlsen. So a lot of these 
openings in the coffeehouse repertoire are really top-notch and this is I think very interesting if black takes the pawn on c3 the engines already give you an advantage oh wow so uh, of course it's all about uh, initiative and activity and it fits with my other courses okay yeah. and, and uh, I always thought that uh, the, the French is a difficult opening to play against and I really enjoy this uh, this opening yeah, I, I won so many games. This is pre-engine age. So, like, as a teenager, I won so many games in the Monerberry. But it's got tougher to uphold as engines get stronger. Um, so I, I'm legit excited for it. And for people listening on audio, we'll link to a quick PGN and obviously update the link eventually. When is, do you know when the course will be available? Um, the test goes through better testing. But uh, Jessica has some new standards related to paid courses and the minimum number of uh, variations so I always try to keep them small uh -huh. right? I have a certain philosophy based on uh, club players based on the lead chess rapid and classical database so it might work typical around like 20 to 40 variations but paid courses have to be now above 50 so I have to expand it a bit in the coming weeks and then we'll uh, submit for publication Excellent. Okay. If only we knew someone who could get that approved. Uh. <laughs> no, I leave that up to the team. Okay. Like, I, at that point, like, however they want to set the standards and change them. At some point, I can't be involved in every single bit of the, the process anymore. I have to work on other things. So there's a reason why they do that, and then that's a they have good reasons to do that because there has to be a difference between, let's say, a paid and a free course in terms of like the amount of value that you get and so that's one of the things okay all right well guys Sorry, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this has been a lot of fun um we will link to han's chessable account the email address for any chessable feedback hello at chessable.com we'll link to your twitter bios although i don't want to get into what's going on with twitter right now who knows how long uh that will be relevant but uh anything to add first gear before we say goodbye no or? man thanks for meeting me here in the park it's been fun and uh and hopefully it's been a somewhat interesting catch up yeah and han nice to have your bonus appearance and to yeah, meet you, you to meet you irl and uh <laughs> good luck in your games of course thank you. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.